Welcome to an inspirational message from Creekwood Church. We hope that you have an encounter with God and discover practical ways to help you live a life of purpose. Good morning, Creekwood. How's everybody doing? Awesome. It is so good to be with you. No, if you are adjusting your eyes because you got too much sleep, I'm not Pastor Stephen. Uh, my name is Kendall, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm going to be um, sharing with you today. Super excited for it. I just want to take this opportunity uh, to encourage you. If you look around, we're pretty packed this morning. Uh, let you know that we do have a five o'clock Saturday night service. Um, it was really awesome last night. Um, my future in-laws came into town and we went to church last night and then we went and had dinner and all of that afterwards and it was just a great time. And I just want to encourage you, if you can, in your schedule, make that shift to Saturday night. Um, Man, we would encourage you to do so. Come out and enjoy Saturday night service with us. Um, It's a blast and I love all of our services, but there's something about Saturday night service that's just super cool to be able to go hang out with friends afterwards and all of that. Um, As Brad mentioned, we have been in this series called Heart for the House, and this is our fourth week of this series. We've talked about several values over the first three weeks, and, um, you know, it's really important to us that as Creekwood continues to grow, as we continue to reach more people in this community, as our volunteer teams grow, like Brad mentioned, 80 new people on our volunteer teams this last week, as these things continue to happen, It's really important that we stay on track with who we feel God has called us as Creekwood Church to be in this community, in this place, in Texas, in Mansfield, and in in this area. And one of the biggest ways that we do that is by being on the same page with our values and our mission and, and what drives us as a church. And values, I think the simplest definition for values are values help us to protect what we love. Values help us to protect the things that we love in our life. And I kind of want to just recap the last three weeks so you can kind of see where we've come from before we jump into what we have for us today. And Pastor Stephen did an incredible job covering the first three of, and we really have five main values, but the first three of our, our main values And if you hadn't had the opportunity to listen to those, they're available on our website as well as on a podcast that you can subscribe to. And I would just encourage you to go listen to those because that really will clue you in into why we do what we do. What is all of this about beyond just this service? Um, But in the first week, we talked about the value of we keep Jesus at the center, that we will keep the main thing, the main thing. And that the why behind everything we do is because God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for each and every one of us. And we don't ever want to lose track of the main thing, and that is Jesus behind everything that we do. Number two, in the second week we talked about, we save a seat for you. And we say that if all people matter to God, they better matter to us. And this is the idea that and, and we talk about it a lot with physical seats in a service, but it's so much more than that. This is not just something we want to be consumeristic about to just come in and to just let this be about us, but this is about the other people. This is not about these walls and what happens in here. It's about how are we all making an impact into the lives of those that are around us in your workplace, maybe at your school, wherever you are, your neighborhood and having an impact and not just being about this. The third week, last week, we talked about we serve always. 
because we believe we're never more like Christ than when we're serving the needs of others. We are contributors, not consumers. Again, it goes with this idea. You kind of see a theme unfolding with these values, right? This is about us coming together and about us accomplishing something that we could not do on our own and accomplishing something for the body of Christ. And at Creekwood, we say this. We say that our mission's statement, and I want to make sure I read this right, lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ, right? That's why you hear us talk about next steps. Brad was just talking about discovering Creekwood as a next step. We want to, where you come in, maybe you accept Christ at Creekwood for the very first time. Maybe you've been a Christ follower for a long time, but we want to lead you down a path to become a more fully devoted follower of Christ than you were yesterday. And so that's why we do what we do in a heart, in, in, in a nutshell. And you can see how these ideas can help keep us on track as we continue to grow, as we get more volunteers and new volunteers and our staff grows and, and we continue to reach people in this community for Christ. Now, before we get into um, the, the value that we're going to be talking about today, um, I wanted to ask you a question. Have any of you ever prayed for God to zap you? And what I mean by that is maybe you saw on TV or you had a friend that was praying for something and just in a moment what they were praying on, it's like God just zapped them and what they were praying for happened, right? Maybe you were praying that God would zap the person that cut you off on the way to church and the construction right here on Broadway 287 if you came that way or, or whatever it was, right? I think we, we pray this prayer about God, would you just work in this instantaneous moment? And God can absolutely do that. But I think more times than not, what we see is we see that God will send someone into the situation that we're praying for to meet the need that we're praying about, right? Whether it's you're praying for someone in your family or a friend to meet Christ and you've been talking to them, you've been inviting them to church and then something will happen in their life. Somebody will come into their life that may lead them to Christ or make something happen in that situation. You praying for something financially to change in your life and God will send someone into your life to meet that need. And this is the beauty of the body of Christ that when we all come together with what God has gifted you and given you and equipped you with, that we can come together, right? This isn't just about us, but it's about all of us. And that leads us into our fourth value today. And it is that we do life together. Because here at Creekwood, we believe that life change happens best through relationships. Hands down, the number one way that life change happens is in relationships. Now, if you've been here for any amount of time, we talk about this idea and we talk about this topic a lot at the start of our life group semesters because it just goes with the start of life groups. Like this is, life groups is one of the biggest avenues that we lead people into doing life together and doing life with each other. But I think it's so much more than that. And if, if you don't know what life groups are, if this is your, your, you know, you're new here and you haven't really heard this, life groups are just simply small groups of people, sometimes not so small groups, but somewhere between three people and like 30 people for some of our larger groups. And they do everything from community groups, men's shooting groups, weightlifting groups, running groups, um, mommy mixer groups, to in-depth Bible studies, to groups that go out and serve our community here locally in Fort Worth, in Dallas, all types 
of different groups. And again, that's a great avenue for those relationships. But I really believe for us to become fully devoted followers of Christ, that this idea is so much more than just life groups. And if we put it in the box of this is how we do this, and this is the only way that we do this at Creekwood, I think we're missing out on some things. And so I want us to think about this idea of relationships for a minute. And, and, and I want to kind of set this up for us. Because the reality is, is that when you're in relationship with other people, there's more that you can accomplish with others than you can ever accomplish on your own. Something supernatural can happen through the relationships in your life. And not only can something supernatural happen, there's a supernatural change that can take place in your life through the relationships that you have, right? We all know this. We tell our kids, hey, show me your friends. I'll show you your future, right? This idea of your friends will define you. These relationships that we choose to let into our life are huge and they make a big difference in our life. They can either push us towards God or take us away from God. And this is crazy. I was reading um, or actually listening to a message by Dr. Henry Cloud. He's written several books. He's, He's a teacher and a psychologist. And he was talking about the power of relationships. And he was saying that for an infant, like a newborn child that is born into um, an institution that is fed and all of the physical needs are met of that child, but they're not born into a loving relationship, like in a family dynamic, the difference in the development between that child and a child that is born into a loving relational home is night and day difference to the point that in developmental and everything, but you can even see the difference in a brain scan between the two children of the same age, the only difference being the relational aspect and the way that that affects their development. Not only that, you think about any type of addiction, successful addiction recovery program, every single one of them has accountability built into that. Every one of them, because what we see, and I think if we went around the room, we would realize and we would, be, we would say that, hey, relationships are important. We need people in our life because let's just be honest, if we're off on our own being lonely, nobody likes that, nobody loves that. And it's this idea that other people will force me to grow more than I can just grow on my own. I was talking to um, Pastor Brad uh, this last week and he was saying that, um, he's part of the workout life group that, that meets during the week. And, um, you know, Brad was the one, he did the announcements. He works out a little bit. He's like the second swollest guy on, on the staff behind me. And, um, but he, um, but no, he was telling me, he said, we go and we work out at 5.30 on Monday morning, y'all. 5.30 on Monday morning. He said they were out in the parking lot at 24 hour doing some crazy insane sprints and workout and all this at 5.30 in the morning. He's like, Kendall, there's no way that I would do that on my own if I did not have other people that were keeping me accountable on that. He's like, everything inside me every Monday morning wants to stay in bed. The only reason I go do that is because of the relationships in that group. But if we go, okay, I think we could say relationships are important and we could like I said, go around the room and people be like, yeah, relationships, they're important. Then why don't we pursue those real authentic types of relationships more than we do in our life? 
And I think there's a lot of reasons, but I think they can be summed up pretty much into three, three primary things. The first one being past hurts. Because if we were to go around this room, and I think if we raised our hand, I think everybody in this room would say, hey, I've been hurt relationally in one aspect or another in my life. At some point in time, a friend, maybe a past dating relationship, um, a spouse, a job situation where you thought you had a friend at work, and then they ended up stabbing you in the back to get ahead in their career, that some aspect, our relational hurts, hold us back from that. Because then the second thing is we create the what-if scenario in our minds. We create this what-if scenario that says, man, because that happened here, what if that happens in this relationship when I pursue this? And it creates a lot of issues and holds us back, I think, from a lot of potentially great relationships because we, in our head, convince ourselves that it's going to be like it was in this situation, right? We're not going to do that. We're not going to take that risk because of that. And third, and this is a big one for me, um, is that I really believe that we put what's urgent often over what's most important in our lives and especially in our relationships. Because I really believe if the devil can't get you to sin, to walk away from church, he will do everything in his power to make you as busy as he can. Because man, when we're busy, what happens is, is I keep everybody right here because relationships make you slow down. And they make you listen and they make you focus and they make you be intentional. And I'll be honest with you because, man, this is a big deal for me because of my personality type. I'm like, I'm driven, I'm task oriented. I'm like, give me a problem. Let me fix this. Let me figure this out. I put this problem in front of me and I'll get a team together and we'll look at this and we'll figure out the process to solve it. But if I'm not careful, the flip side of that part of my personality is I can run right by people and never slow down. And I make people feel like I don't care. And even though that's not reality, that's what happens. But for me, I've just seen that when I can slow down, the power of those relationships is huge. And I want us to do this today. Um, we're going to go and look at a passage of scripture. If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be spending the majority of our time in 1 Samuel chapter 14. Um, and as you turn there, um, I want to kind of just lay a backstory of what is happening here. And we're going to read this story. And then we're going to look at some relational aspects from this that I believe um, will help us to become fully devoted followers of Christ when we do life together with these types of people in our life. Now we pick this story up and what has happened is the nation of Israel has just basically, God has just appointed their first king. God didn't want them to have a king, but they saw all the nations around them had a king. And they said, we want a king and Saul has just become their king. Well, they've been at war and, and been fighting the nation of Philistia, Philistia or the Philistines is how it's referred to um, often the Philistine people, and they have been fighting them and they have been oppressing the Israelites for years. Well, Saul becomes king and he kind of, I guess, wanted to prove himself and he decides to attack this Philistine outpost, this group of Philistines, and he actually wins this battle. But what he didn't think is him and his few thousand guys that overpowered and won this battle were no match for the entire Philistine army. And they show up like something out of Gladiator and they're like, we're gonna take you out. And they show up and we pick this story up 
with the people of Israel panicked. A few thousand people in their military has gone down to 600 that are still with King Saul. The others have either defected or they've gone off and they've hid in the mountains and they're hiding in the caves and they're hiding in the mountains trying to stay away from this. And we start this story with Saul and his son, Jonathan, and his son, Jonathan. And we're gonna start in 1 Samuel chapter 14 and we're gonna start in verse one. And it says this, it says, One day, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outpost. But Jonathan did not tell his father what he was doing. So not too far off was this Philistine outpost. And Jonathan's like, hey, let's go over there to this. Meanwhile, Saul, his father, had 600 men and, or, and his 600 men were camped on the outskirts of Gibeah around a pomegranate tree at Migron. I love the detail. I don't know why a pomegranate tree is relevant, but it is. Among Saul's men was Ahijah the priest who was wearing the ephod, this priestly vest. Ahijah was the son of Ichabod's brother Ahitub, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord who had served at Shiloh. But no one realized that Jonathan had left the Israelite camp. To reach the Philistine outpost, Jonathan had to go between two rocky cliffs. So this outpost is in a really good position, right? He has to go between these two rocky cliffs that were called Bozes and Sanaa. I mean, I guess they're pretty big cliffs if they name them. Like you don't name like little mountains, you name big mountains, right? And it says the cliff on the north was in front of Michmash. The one on the south was in front of Geba. And he says, let's go across to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. And he says this, perhaps the Lord will help us for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle with whether he has just a few or many warriors. And he says, and his armor bearer says this to him. He says, do what you think is best. I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. All right, then Jonathan told him, we'll cross over and then we'll let them see us. And he's gonna do this little test like, God, if you're gonna help us on this, then this is what I need him to say. And he says, if they say to us, stay where you are or we'll kill you, then we'll stop and we'll not go up to them. But if they say, hey, come up and fight, then we'll go up and that will be the Lord's sign that he will help us defeat them. When the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, look, the Hebrews, they're crawling out of their holes. Remember, they're hiding off in the mountains. Most of the Hebrews have abandoned and here they come, a couple of guys, and they're like, look, they're crawling out of their holes. And the Philistines think they got him. They say, the men from the outpost shouted to Jonathan, come up here and we'll teach you a lesson. And in Jonathan's mind in that moment, he's like, God's got my back. And he tells his armor bearer, come on, climb right up behind me for the Lord will help us defeat them. So they climbed up using both their hands and feet. And the Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer and killed those who came in behind them. They killed some 20 men in all and all their bodies were scattered over about half an acre. And suddenly panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and beyond that into the field, including even the outposts and the raiding parties. This panic breaks out and just then an earthquake strikes and everyone is terrified. Now we're gonna pause the story right there for just a minute. And for those of you that like conclusion and don't like open-ended things, I promise we're gonna come back to this. But I want us to look at a couple of things that we see in this passage of scripture that I really believe are the types of relationships that we need in our life if we're going to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And the first one is this, we need people in our life 
that will challenge our perspective. We need people in our life that will challenge our perspective. What was normal, what was average at the time was for most of those people to either be with the group that stayed with 600 guys because there's safety in numbers, to be hiding in the mountains or to desert and, and be with the Philistines. And what you have is you have Jonathan who's going, hey, let's not be average and let's go over to where the Philistines are to the point that the Philistines responded in verse 11. They say, look, the Hebrews, they're coming out of their holes. Like that is unexpected, right? And you think about Jonathan and his armor bearer. And his armor bearer, I really believe, could have said, I'm gonna stay here with them because your daddy doesn't even know you're going. So I know I'm not gonna get in trouble if I go tell your dad that you're sneaking off. But his armor bearer says, you know what? Hey, I'm gonna go with you and I'm gonna be with you. And you, but you don't think that that challenged the perspective of his armor bearer for Jonathan to go, hey, let's go, two of us, and let's go over to this Philistine outpost and just see what happens. So we need people that will challenge our perspective. Number two, we need people that will push us spiritually in our life. And I love this because in verse six, we read this, and I don't know about you, but if someone was like, hey, let's go over here and let's fight all these guys. And this was their response. He says this, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, let's go across to the outpost of those pagans. And his response was perhaps, like maybe the Lord will help us. If you tell me we're gonna go up against all these guys and your answer is maybe God's gonna help us, I'm probably gonna stay back over here and I'm gonna be like, oh, you go have fun with that and you're maybe, all right? You go over there. But he continues to say, he goes, man, he can, God can win the battle whether he has men, only, many warriors or only a few, right? Jonathan, he's pushing the faith of his armor bearer. He's going, God can help us. God can cover us. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, but we're gonna step out in faith. Man, do you have people in your life that push you spiritually? Do you have people in your life that go, are you trusting God for big things in your life or are you living average, right? Are people pushing your perspective and are, do you have people that are pushing you spiritually? And I think if we're honest, this is the re, a big reason that we don't pursue um, a, a lot of relationships or maybe you haven't ever taken the step to get into a life group is, and I talked earlier about the what ifs. And I think we, we make this what if scenario up in our minds when it comes to life groups. We go, okay, well, I'm gonna sign up for this life group. And you know, I know I need relationships and I, I wanna get into this Bible study because I just, I'm not sure I don't know the Bible real well and I know I could know it more. So I'm gonna get into this Bible study. But then I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go to this person's house and, and I've never been to their house before. I'm gonna walk in and it's gonna be like dark and it's gonna smell like 10 cats live there. And, and then we're gonna sit around and we're gonna sing Kumbaya and we're going to um, confess like our deepest, doc, darkest secrets. And I'm gonna leave that night and it's just gonna be really, really weird. And then the next morning your phone's gonna ring and Pastor Stephen's gonna be on the phone and he's gonna be like, hey, I heard about what you confessed and, and people at Creekwood don't struggle with that. And so you can't come back to Creekwood anymore. And, and right, we make these what ifs up in our minds. But man, I promise you that Pastor Stephen would never do that. He's a man of integrity and he would never allow a life group leader with cats to be a life group leader at Creekwood. <laughs> Sorry, y'all, Stephen's gone, so I had to add a cat joke in. 
But no, 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 no. I'm just kidding about the cat thing. My, my fiance has a cat, Lord help us. Um, but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's so true, right? I think when it comes to those what ifs, we create these scenarios that they keep us from having the very people that we need in our life that will push us into more of God. The third thing that we need and that we see in this story is that we need people that will support us unconditionally. Do you have people in your life that will support you unconditionally? You know, there was probably part of Jonathan that hoped that his armor bearer would tell him, no, I'm gonna stay here where it's safe. And it would have got Jonathan off the hook. But if you remember in the story, his armor bearer's response was this. He, after he tells him, hey, maybe God's gonna help us because God has the ability to, and we're gonna step out. His armor bearer's response is, do what you think is best. I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. Do you have people in your life that are pushing you spiritually, that are challenging your perspective, but then they have your back no matter what? Because you see, it's that type of people in your life that will put you into a place that your life, that you can become a fully devoted follower of Christ and you will accomplish amazing things in your life. One of the biggest points in my life that this happened um, was when I graduated college. And I, I've been really blessed. I've had several great friends from high school that have been these people to me, several great friends from college. And then I've got several great friends that are part of Creekwood that have became that for me as well. But with this specific instance, um, I was graduating college and I was helping out. I was volunteering at Creekwood. We were over in the high school right here across Broad at Mansfield High School. And um, I come to the end of my senior year and all semester, all my friends have been sending off resumes, applying to churches. And they were all talking about like what these churches were offering to pay them just out of college and all this is going on. And I, I didn't know what I was gonna do. I didn't feel comfortable just chasing a paycheck and, and that's not what I wanted. And um, it was a few weeks, maybe a month, something like that before the end of the semester. And Brad called me. And, and I remember I was standing in my hallway of my dorm talking to Brad. And Brad's like, Kendall, you know, we love that you're being a part. And you're jumping in and you're just being involved. I know you're about to graduate. And, you know, we'd love for you to just come be a part of the church and help us to continue to reach people in Mansfield. Um, the catch being, there's no paycheck. And we're in a high school because this is the early days of the church. So here I am graduated or graduating and, and I have this invitation. I remember talking to my friends and talking to my, my parents about it. And the support that I had from my parents in pushing me, my perspective pushing me spiritually, um, but then supporting me was huge. And I actually have a picture of my parents. And, you know, you have to have people in your life that, got, that have your back. Because for me to step out with no long-term place to live, no long-term job, Brad and Elise were like, hey, you can come live with us for a few months while you get your feet on the ground. Everything else was unknown. I left all those good friends of four years in college, didn't go home. I, I mean, I knew some people at Creekwood, but I had just been here a little bit and I was in college and 
And the support that I got from my parents is why I'm here on this stage. And knowing they were like, Kendall, go, take that step. If you feel like that's where God has you, take that step. We have your back. Worst case, what happens? It doesn't work. And then you can come back and then you can figure out where you're going to go from there. Right, man, we need people in our life that will support us unconditionally, that have our back and push us towards what God has for us. But I think where we get stopped a lot of times is is when we're pursuing relationship, we get to this point where it requires sacrifice. We either have to sacrifice financially, we have to sacrifice the comfort that we know, we have to do this sacrifice that pushes us outside of what is comfortable, right? Maybe it's, I know I was joking about the cats and going into someone's house, but maybe it's as simple as stepping out and going and putting yourself out there relationally in a life group. But at some point, we have to make a sacrifice. And I want you to listen to a couple of verses. Um, when I was reading this and when I was preparing, I was reading this story in chapter 14. And I always like reading the chapters around the story because it really tells you some things. And in chapter 13, I want to read two verses in here that really speak to this armor bearer and his sacrifice. Chapter 13, verse 19 says this. It says, There were no blacksmiths in the land of Israel in those days. The Philistines would not allow them for fear that they would make swords and spears for the Hebrews. The next couple of verses say whenever they needed to sharpen their, their plows or anything like that, they would have to go pay a fee at the blacksmiths to have it done. Verse 22 says, So on the day of the battle, no, none of the people of Israel had a sword or spear except for Saul and Jonathan. You talk about a sacrifice to support someone unconditionally. He's going into battle, two guys against who knows how many, with no fighting weapon. Maybe he had a club, maybe he, I picture him like maybe a pitchfork, you know, he's like out doing hay and he's like, all right, let's go. But you talk about sacrifice. Man, it gets to the point where relationally you have to step out, you have to take a risk. And when we step out relationally and when we pursue and connect into those life-giving relationships, two things happen. One, I believe the impossible becomes possible, right? They were, they were going even to get to that outpost was so steep that they had to climb on their hands and their feet, right? This is not, let me walk up this hill, right? They named them, they're so big, Right? Just to get there, I'm like, man, I would be so exhausted. If y'all have ever like hiked at any altitude and you walk like a half a mile and you're like bent over, can't breathe. I'm like, oh, we got to get up there. We got one weapon between us and we're going to f- try to fight these guys. But his armor bearer says, hey, I'm with you, right? The impossible becomes possible. Not only that, they get there, they kill 20 men, two guys, one guy with the sword, the other, his armor bearer standing behind him. They take out 20 men. Like I said earlier, gladiator scene going on, this hack acre guy with one weapon, 20 men are dead. But it seems like God often works this way. But in that moment, it's when a miracle will happen in your life and those things that you've been praying for and, and those things that you're trusting God for. Because it's in that moment that God causes a panic to break out. We read it in verse 15, and I wanna read it again, and then we're gonna conclude this story. It says, suddenly that panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and in the field, 
including even the outposts and the raiding party. And just then this earthquake strikes, right? God causes this miracle to happen and everyone's terrified. So Saul, his dad, who's over here with the 600 troops, look, his lookouts in Gibeah of Benjamin saw this strange sight. This vast army of Philistines begins to melt away in every direction. They're over here probably panicking at what they're going to do. He says, call the roll, find out who's missing, Saul ordered. And when they checked, they found that Jonathan and his armor bearer were gone. And it says, he basically gathers his guys. And a few verses later, it says, then Saul and all his men rushed out to the battle and found the Philistines killing each other. There was terrible confusion. Even the Hebrews who had previously gone over to the Philistine army revolted and joined in with Saul and Jonathan and the rest of the Israelites. Likewise, the men of Israel who were hiding in the hill country of Ephraim joined the chase when they saw the Philistines running away, right? What happened through this relationship and the miracle and what Jonathan and his armor bearer did actually reprogrammed what was normal for everybody else. He took this normal was to be hiding, normal was to not be fighting, to be off in the mountains. And in that moment, it took everybody else. They rallied around it. And it says in verse 23, so the Lord saved Israel that day. The battle continued to rage and they chased them on. And it says, and the Lord saved Israel that day. And God wants to move in your life. He wants to move in the things you're praying for. He wants to save your families and, and those around you in this city but we can't do it if we're living on our own and we're on our own relationally living in isolation. We can never get there and we'll never be able to accomplish that. You know, I've seen some amazing, amazing things getting to be a part of the staff here and, and, and hearing so many stories from life groups. And I know many of you are in life groups and I've heard from you what that relationship has meant when you walk through tough times. And we've heard stories just in the last few months about the, the importance of those relationships in your life when you walk through those huge moments of your life that you don't have any control over that blindside you and come out of nowhere and just take you out. If you wait till those moments to pursue relationships, it's already too late. But I've heard from people, some of you sitting in this room, things like because of community, we've been able to walk through and are walking through the unexpected death of a child. You're able to gain strength because of your friends and your community when you're diagnosed with cancer. You're able to overcome an addiction and, and, and walk down the path to recovery because of the people that are in your life group helping. Been able to walk through the diagnosis of a terminal illness, right? These are just a few stories of the power of relationships. And when you're in relationships and those moments happen, God using those life-giving relationships around you to be there like nobody else can. There's story after story after story like that. And at Creekwood, we're gonna continue to push you towards that to lovingly say, you can't do life alone. You need to do life with other people because you don't know what it means until you're at that point where there is nothing else. And it's in that moment that God uses those people to come into your life and to make a difference. 
Maybe you're sitting in this room and you're like, I hear you, I know, I've lived that, I've walked that, I've got those relationships in my life. And I think one side of this is that we need those relationships in our life. But for those of us that have experienced this, I would ask you the question, are you pursuing people that are not in life-giving relationships? Right, are you just going, yes, I know, I get it, it's been amazing, I'm there. But how are you taking what you know and inviting other people into that? And there's people in this room that desperately need you to step out. 1 Samuel 14, 1, the very first passage we read. One day, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outpost. It all started with an invite. It all started with an invite. And who has God placed on your lot in your life who has God placed on your heart that you need to be reaching out to, that you need to be going, hey, come to dinner with me, right? That's where it starts. Hey, come to my life group. Hey, I'm a part of this life group. Why don't you come with me? Hey, let's go grab coffee. Hey, I heard you're going through something. Can I just pray for you real quick? Like maybe it's just giving somebody a hug. Man, who has God placed on your life? God saved the nation of Israel and it all started with an invite. And it all started with an invite. The types of relationships that we need in our life to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We need people that will challenge our perspective, people that will push us spiritually, people that will support us unconditionally. And I would add to that, we need to be people who pursue relationships with other people. Who are you inviting? Who has God placed on your heart to reach out to? Because at Creekwood, We do life together. And we know that life change happens best through relationships. Would you bow your heads as we wrap up today? You know, maybe for you, that is you need to step out and get involved in a life group. It's coming towards the end. We've got about a month and a half left in our life group semester. And, you know, it's easy to go, well, I don't want to like start in the middle. But I promise you, man, we invite you into that with open arms. Start now building those relationships for when the semester relaunches at the start of the year. You know, maybe for you, it's, it is, it's inviting that person that God's put on your heart to dinner or just calling them and having a conversation on the phone, right? Put the what ifs aside, put the, the, the past hurts aside. And man, is what is God put on your heart to do? You gotta be intentional you got to pursue it. You know, if you're in this place this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your life, we would love to invite you and to do that. We're going to have a prayer team across this front at the conclusion of service. You can simply come pray with one of them. We would love for you to let us know that you accept Christ or right there in your seat. You can just give your life to Christ right where you're at. And you can just say, God, I, I, I know that you sent your son Jesus Um, to this earth and he died on a cross as a sacrifice for my sins. And you can just invite Jesus to come into your life and give your life over to him. And it's the starting point of becoming that fully devoted follower of Christ. And we wanna invite you into that and invite you into that relationship today. Father, I pray for everyone in this room and I just ask that you would help us when it comes to relationships. God, to be intentional. God, to pursue the, the, the right kind of people in our life. 
God, the people that are going to, to push us to where we need to be, that are gonna challenge the norm. God, that are gonna support us. Father, help us to not try to do this thing called life on our own. And God, help us to not only get that for ourselves, but to be that for someone else. God, give us the strength to do that. God, keep us safe this week. Father, bring us back safe next week. God, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more messages and information about Creekwood Church, visit us at creekwoodchurch.com.